0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. My name is Kathy, and I do drive from Wren County. I live in Fairfax, and uh, I've been practicing uh, meditation and uh, falling in love with the Dharma since about 2000. And... uh, and have trained um, with Gil for most of that time with Gil Fransdal, and and uh, have been practicing mainly at Spirit Rock Meditation Center. And I'm right now I'm a retreat manager at Spirit Rock. And uh, has anyone done retreats at Spirit Rock? No. And. Um, And I I began with the family program at Spirit Rock, so I I started out as a volunteer uh, for the family program, family days, family retreats, and still am very much involved with that program. And uh, I've done a lot of um, intensive, long-term retreat practice at Spirit Rock and at Gaia House in England, another sister retreat center uh, in in Devon, England, and... uh, in the last few years, gosh, about four years now, I've been, um, I've been uh, practicing in the Zen tradition as well with some teachers in, the, um, in Soto Zen, the teachers from uh, San Francisco Zen Center, um, all the centers really, but uh, so I fell in love with Zen as well. Um, I'm really happy to be here with all of you tonight. And uh, I wanted to know: Is this is it for anyone the first time here at IMC? First time, welcome. Uh, and and are there people who are n- newer or newish to practice? Yeah, it's just kind of nice to know. Well, really glad you're here, everybody. New, first time, newish, and long term established practitioners really glad to be uh here sitting together and uh, i find myself um um when i begin the meditation uh feeling into that sense of all of us sitting here together it's become very important to me i think that's something that's grown out of my zen practice and perhaps my intention to enter into the zen tradition was the sitting together as a sangha it's very nourishing to me to know that uh, is because I come into my my experience in my body um, to know that we 're all doing it together, brings me happiness, and they're all out here on this coming in from the cold evening so uh, i I felt moved tonight to talk about uh, mindfulness, and I was inspired by a couple of different things, or I just keep being inspired but but um what inspired me initially was um, I just did a short retreat at Spirit Rock uh, and it's the first retreat I've done as a while because I've been so busy as a retreat manager working there so so, I love supporting yogis as a retreat manager supporting people who come to practice on retreat the word for we use for that is yogis or yoginis uh, for for women practitioners Uh, and and so it's been a couple of years that I've really dove into a retreat and uh, this was with uh, two teachers a, a married couple and they used their Pali name they were, m- many many years ago they were ordained uh, in in the uh, Thai forest Tervadana lineage uh, so Kitty sorrow and Tenisara. I don't know if the names are familiar to anyone here um, and uh, It was a wonderful retreat to be able to to be able to practice again in that way and just oh it's just so yummy to sit and um, it's a shorter retreat so it's enough time to just kind of go into it and and the teachers really inspired me Um, beautiful teachings and they did a lot of chanting Um, they've 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 um, they have a practice of chanting in the Mahayana tradition Um, which is another tradition in buddhism and and the chanting is a bit different than what we hear in the Theravada tradition and, and it' was beautiful and uh, and Tanisha gave a talk on mindfulness, and uh, I just really inspired me to to open up to that uh, this practice of mindfulness and and I'm sure all of you either have read this book or have begun it or have referred back to it. This is called The Issue at Hand and it's um, Gil Fronsdale, the founding teacher of this center. It's, it's his book or the book filled with his essays on Buddhist mindfulness practice. So I referred back to this book um, as I began to look again into mindfulness. And, and um And thought about it, you know what is this? What is this practice of mindfulness? What are we doing? What, what is mindfulness? And you hear all sorts of all sorts of um, uh, definitions and way it's used and um, used in uh, Buddhist Dharma practice, and, and, and it 's sort of a catchword and a phrase and, um, and something that's being undertaken in all sorts of secular um, ...secular uh, uh, places to help support people in their workplaces, in schools, uh, mindfulness for children, um, which is great. But what is this? You know, what is this mindfulness? Uh, um, I've heard that mindfulness uh, defined as uh, having the mind and the body in the same place at the same time... Uh, Coming back to the present moment. Uh, we, 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 may, we may be really aware of what mindfulness isn't and may see as we sit, and, and that's why the sitting is such an important reference point and and stabilizer, because as we sit still, we begin to see how mindful we are not, and that our our mind is rarely seems to be here, right here, in this moment. And so in mindfulness, we're practicing um, again and again coming back in meditation, coming back to this moment, uh, coming back to uh, our breath, coming back to our bodies, coming back here, And as we look at this, it's, you know, the mind. What is the mind anyway? Uh, this mind that holds... Um, how can it even be defined? You know, it's, it's holding our experience. It seems to be holding our experience. Do you hear, what is it? Where is it? I can't answer that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but it seems to be in the past and in the future a lot. And um, not gathered here so so when we take our seats and feel ourselves in our bodies uh, and open up to the sound open up to the experience open up to the breath it's like a, it's like a radical practice of coming back um, to the present moment and we can begin in meditation to actually Enjoy that and notice at times that it can actually be fresh, that it can feel fresh and new and alive and um, kind of nice, you know? This, 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 this newness, this experience of each moment and be able to let go of the, of the past moment So, what are we being mindful of? We talked about the breath. We did a we did that in our meditation, and the body. And uh, oh boy, real briefly, <laughs> can you be briefly about teaching the four foundations of mindfulness? The Buddha taught about uh, uh, it's called the Satipatthana Sutta, uh, which is um, sati is a word, the Pali word for mindfulness, and um, I heard in the last class, I heard uh, the teacher saying Pali was the language spoken at the time of the Buddha. So, so these four foundations of mindfulness uh, that the Buddha taught us to, um, is our experience. These four foundations is something that we can refer to um, and, and bring our awareness to as to our experience uh, over and over again in each moment. And the first foundation is mindfulness of form, mindfulness of body. Uh, So what are we experiencing uh, in the body, which is actually everything. We experience everything through our body. We relate to the world through this body. Uh, And there's the six senses, which is um, the hearing, the tasting, the touching, the smelling, the seeing, and the cognizing, the thinking, and so we experience the world, everything, through this body, through this first foundation, and this first foundation is um, this foundation of the body um, is such a place of safety. We can come back to it. It's 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 a sure refuge to come back to again and again and again, and and. Relate to the world in this way. It's bringing our mind back into our body Is mindfulness here we are and um, and then that allows for the opportunity to see our experience to To have our experience right here uh, Instead of going off into um, The various workings of our mind the second foundation of mindfulness is called mindfulness of, um, mindfulness of feeling, mindfulness of feeling tone. And what this, uh, what this tells us is that every experience that we have, that we receive through our senses, through our body, all experience, all sensations uh, has a certain feeling tone. And there's three. Everything is either pleasant, we like it, unpleasant, we don't like it, we want to push it away, or neither pleasant or unpleasant, neutral. And that can be the conditions for a spacing out uh, and, and going generally having it become either unpleasant or unpleasant But so, mindfulness of feeling, of feeling tone, is really important. And, and, and I think, I found, like, it was, it's just like totally cool to see that, to see that, um, something that, that, that would just like shake my world, that I would... It would, it would be so horrible. And it would just be something I was, ex- like a thinking or, or an experience, you know, um, having to wait in line for me. Having to wait in line at um, in a supermarket, having to wait in a long line is something that for years it just, I would turn almost into a... Um, you know, I'd feel like a, like a, like a tantrum-filled child. I, <laughs> I didn't even know I was going to say that, but it's true. It was really hard for me. And I would just... And through mindfulness practice, I learned to just feel into that, to feel into the sensations of my body. This is unpleasant. This is unpleasant. And at times, even stop at that. And... It may go into "I don't like this," but that's okay if it does. But this is oh, this is just unpleasant. Or you can think of something um, that 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 you love. Let's you know if you love uh, if you love um, uh, coffee or a really yummy coffee or a or a pastry, and and. For some reason, you know, I can think of myself. Currently, I'm not eating much sugar. I'm not eating sugar, and sometimes I just want it, and I see it, and and I I notice that longing for it, and um, it's like, oh, you know, it's just I just I just want it because it's pleasant. I have a pleasant association with it, and there's a possibility of just cutting it right there, and not acting upon it, or not beating myself up, beating myself up over um my thinking or my reaction to it a lot of freedom there uh, and then that's the second foundation of mindfulness and the third foundation of mindfulness is mindfulness of uh oh it's mindfulness of um what's going on in the mind the the our thoughts our uh, emotions um the flavor of our mind, the attitude in our mind. So that's when we're looking at, uh, uh, let's say, the mind that, that goes, you know, the body experiences, my, my body experiences the, the um, not wanting to wait in line at the supermarket. And, and the feeling tone is unpleasant, but I don't even see that. I'm just like going into, into child tantrum mode. And I'm not. I'm not noticing the sensations. I'm not noticing them pleasant. And the mind is just going um, crazy. And I don't. I don't want to do this. And I don't want to wait in line. And and um, and right there, in there, it's like, wow, actions are born. You know, I can act out as that tantrum, tantrum-filled child. You know, I could, I could possibly say something either to the, a family member with me um, or, uh, or just out loud, just say something unskillful, leave the line, go to another line, um, really have internally an unpleasant experience or externally... Cause harm, so action is born there, so mindfulness of our thoughts our emotions the the, the more subtle flavoring of our mind and then uh, and the fourth foundation of mindfulness is uh, mindfulness of mindfulness of one way to put it is mindfulness of of all our experience, mindfulness of all the other foundations of mindfulness, through the lens of the Dharma. Uh, so, so through the lens of the Buddha's teachings. So to see all of this happening um, in in our minds, in consciousness, to see to see these other three foundations and as they work uh, is a um, is the mindfulness, the fourth foundation of mindfulness. It's, 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 it's translated often as mindfulness of consciousness. So seeing it through the Dharma, the Buddha's teachings. I hope that wasn't too confusing. Uh, and so, so the Buddha, the Buddha um, taught these four foundations of mindfulness and told us this is the practice we do. This is how we are mindful. We use our body as a reference point. We come here to back to our body over and over again as a way, as, as a refuge, as a place then to experience the world and see when we're taken away and see um, these different st- uh, threads and strands and what is unpleasant and what is pleasant. And um, we do that on the cushion. We have the opportunity to be still on the cushion and we have that opportunity to do it throughout our day in daily life whatever whatever we're doing the Buddha taught us in all positions uh, standing walking sitting or lying down we can be mindful Um, driving shopping uh, whatever we're doing so on the retreat that I just sat uh, Tanissara talked about uh, and I love this some images of mindfulness that the Buddha used um, and one of them was mindfulness as the gatekeeper. Speaking of mindfulness, I'll keep a watch on the time. Um, mindfulness as the gatekeeper. And uh, the gatekeeper as wise and experienced as an and intelligent. I want to read something from the, the, the Nagara Sutta, which is where I found something on this teaching on the gatekeeper. So he talked about the mind as um, a royal frontier fortress that has a, a gatekeeper who's wise, experienced, and intelligent and to keep out uh, those he doesn't know and to let in those that he does. And then this, this fortress is well provided for for the protection of those, with, those within and to ward off those without. And then the Buddha says, in the same way a disciple of the Noble Ones is mindful, highly meticulous, remembering and able to call to mind even things that were done and said long ago. With mindfulness as his gatekeeper, the disciple of the Noble Ones abandons what is unskillful, develops what is skillful, and abandons what is blameworthy, develops what is blameless, and looks after himself with purity, and this fortress cannot be undone by external foes or duplicitous allies, which he says as well, a disciple of the noble ones who can't be undone by, um, by Mara, can't be undone by the evil one. And Mara is the embodiment of really our, our minds um, when, they, when they run amok. So this this gatekeeper, um, I this gatekeeper that that uh, mindfulness uh, really watches over and protects us, and with discernment says no, no, I don't have to think this. I don't have to react to this, to this external stimuli or this something going on inside. I don't have to do this and keeps, keeps protection over us, over, over me from, um, from taking off from here in the present moment, this, this gatekeeper. And uh, another, um, another way that Tanisara talked about mindfulness was a, as the womb of awareness, and that this womb holds and contains experience or our perception of experience. And holds and contains it, uh, doesn't keep anything out, but allows it to come in and holds it in wisdom holds it up to the light, in this light that's reflective and not reactive. And, and really it's, a, a womb is, uh, it's really like a gestation period. You know, it's, it's rather than, um, rather than once again to go off into reactivity, it allows um, experience, it allows for that pause that 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 time to to have it in and and to see it in the light and and see if we really want to let it in if we how we want to hold it in our hearts and this um this allows for the possibility of something even deeper, uh, a deeper wisdom to arise. Because mindfulness mindfulness alone, mindfulness is an amazing and wonderful tool, al- this allowing us to hold and see experience and to come back. But uh, there's the possibility of um, mindfulness being um, dry, and not heartfelt. And and sort of uh Gil called it um checklist mindfulness where we're just we're just uh we're just noticing the experience, we're seeing, we're touching, um uh, uh, Feeling, thinking, and, and there's, a, there's a practice called noting and meditation where um, all experience you make a note of. So, so if your eyes were c- closed and you could feel um, yourself on your seat, you might say touching and thought comes through, you say thinking. Um, and mindfulness, it can get very dry, and mindfulness can be that way. Uh, and um, it can feel contracted and unnatural. I remember when I, when I first began practicing um, it seemed just always like something that I was doing. I didn't really understand. Um, I didn't really understand why I was doing it. I was a very diligent practitioner. But I didn't have that sense so much of... Uh, it felt I don't know, I felt hard and like this armor coming back into my body uh, all the time. And um, certainly didn't feel like any possibility of wisdom was growing. And I didn't, wasn't feeling myself touch into my heart. But... but uh, but I was told there was the possibility um, to learn something about myself and to learn something about the world. And so I kept doing it. And uh, it took me off into... Um, well, I guess I... I guess I was devoted to it enough that it took me into uh, continued practice and on retreats and... Um, And and I found that um, what was needed was uh, to really allow for this holding and this understanding, allowing my experience fully in, allowing the, um, as this this womb, uh, Ajahn Chah said, Arzan Shah is a, is a Thai forest master who um, is no longer alive, but he was, he's uh, a teacher of many of our teachers in this tradition, in the Theravadan tradition. And he called it the, um, let's see, he called it a tightly woven net to catch things as they arise. And am I going to let this into my heart? So so the same uh, to really, to really hold it, to hold an ex- the experience, and and see how am I going to, how am I going to hold this, and how do I want my heart to be with it, and when we see uh, how our mind wanders away from our body, and how our reactions mindlessly happen as a result of that uh, and how it causes pain for me and how it causes pain for others then um, we, can open up, we can open up to ourselves we can open up to our own pain and and mindfulness can then become enriched with that and softened with our own awareness of what's going on here. Like, what's happening here? You know, I'm... That happened to me on retreat. What's happening here? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, but, you know, I'm just not happy. This isn't going well. And... and so seeing that and beginning to bring some caring and some softening... To myself and allowing myself to see those parts of me that I actually didn't want to see and the softening of um, the softening within the mindfulness the caring allowed more of myself to come forth uh, and this happens over time as, uh, as we steady into the mindfulness, but as the, as the softening occurs, it becomes easier to just be here. And you know, the time on the cushion, of course, is, is, a sense, is, a, is essential. I'll say I was going to say, "Oh, I should be careful about that." Time on the cushion is very helpful for learning to stay still in the body um, and being with experience but but as mindfulness becomes less stilted and more of a flow, then then that softness allows everything to be seen, everything's included. And... uh, Sometimes those things can be painful, but... When our, when our heart is open to them, we can see them more clearly for what they are. And we can see that there's a lot around it. Uh, perhaps, like, a lot. Way more than we can even imagine. Um, there's lots of space for our suffering. And there's lots of space for everybody else too. And the world can feel really small sometimes and it seems to be all about me and like I have to get to the front of the line in the grocery store. But really there's a whole grocery store full of people who all have their own experience and stories and they got to get through line too and um, when I can come back to the safety and the reference point of here in my body and in my heart then I can feel the space around, the, the, the infinite space around which, which allows me to see the world and experience everybody else and everything else in it. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a real gift, a real benefit. Of mindfulness and uh, and I have a lot of gratitude for that. I have a lot of gratitude um, so mindfulness brings gratitude gratefulness of a grateful heart for for this practice you know there's there's Certainly. Mm-hmm. There's certainly more I can say. I um, because since I, I sat the retreat, I've been I've been just digesting this. So it feels it feels like it's still in progress, and I guess it always will be. Uh, by looking at it more intentionally, the practice of mindfulness and um and I, I think what i what I was just talking about about the mindfulness becoming infused with the heart and with the softness i just more and more I see that that's that's the uh, that's that's like that's what allows us to really move into ourselves. Um, I was talking to a friend today uh, who I went and visited in the hospital and he had been on a long retreat. Um, and and this can happen on short retreats too. It can happen in a sitting. But he had been on a long retreat and, uh, and, he, and he hurt his back and he had to have a surgery. And he's been a practitioner for a lot of years. And... Um, He said on this retreat that that, that's, just that happened, that very same thing where he saw how he'd been pushing and striving and efforting in his practice and in his life. And, um, and he saw how much pain that had caused him. Uh, he saw into his own suffering and the Buddha taught that to us, um, it's the first noble truth. is the truth of suffer, suffering. That we, in life, that there is suffering. And he saw into that. And as a result of seeing that in the creation of how he created his own suffering, uh, he saw um, his own heart. He opened up to himself. And this vow to stay with himself and to not abandon himself and he said he could not and never have done this without mindfulness without the awareness to really see into that so here we are in the um, the holiday season i heard the last the last teacher at the last class Talk about this is a really good time to practice mindfulness, and so it is. Uh, so it is the, the the gift, the the blessing of mindfulness to be able to um, come back. You know, check it out, try it out. Uh, whatever experience, whatever um, heightened traffic, heightened encounters with people that you might not ordinarily see, um, also known as family, sometimes. Um, um, Just the expectations of um, holiday. Um, To be able to come back to the breath, to be able to come back to the body, Uh, to refrain from saying something that might stir up things a bit. Um, It's a gift to use mindfulness in this way I brought books I should read a poem Um, maybe but here's something that that Gil from Gil's book uh, from the Dhammapada in each chapter he has a little quote from the Dhammapada which is uh, supposed to be teachings of the Buddha the Dhammapada and uh, this one Whatever a mother, father, or other relative may do, far better is the benefit from one's own, one's own rightly directed mind. So, whatever a mother, father, or other relative may do, which in this case is something really good, uh, for far better is the benefit from one's own rightly directed mind. And so... Um, The Buddha is saying there, you know, this is important, our rightly directed mind, to keep our mind... uh, Here's another one from the Dhammapada. Attentive among the inattentive, wide awake among the sleeping, the wise one advances as a swift horse leaves behind a weak one. So that attentiveness that wide-awake among the sleeping, the mindfulness that we can have. Um, we will advance. In this case, he's talking about advancing in practice, advancing towards our, uh, our own possibility to be free from um, being caught all the time, being caught by ourselves and the world. I want to read a poem from uh, Tanisara who was one of the teachers on the retreat and this is I want to read it just because because I loved the retreat so much and I loved her and uh, and I saw this I saw, it's called recognition and even just that word, like that recognizing Uh, recognizing I hear in that something about mindfulness and this book has a very devote this this poem has a, something in it very I don't know very devotional and and you could hear it as almost a poem to a lover um, but I see it I see the, the the devotion to mindfulness in it so I invite you to perhaps hear it in that way as well as I said it's called recognition the tides wash into a receding ocean vast lone ship tiny shell from the slow river wide your faint echo building to pressure reaches my devotion flames leap into the black satin night entering your icon releases me into the peaceful mandala of our sure union A certain shimmer of light on a sycamore leaf, wild deer still presence. Memories of our meeting holding and stretching to a startled silence. My breath shallow and heart pulsing as I recognize the shared gaze. Your light reflected in my soul. The times I step away. Because we do step away. But as mindfulness becomes um, something that we can feel safe to rest into right here and be okay with not having to reach elsewhere for anything actually and just be here and allow the possibility of seeing deeply into ourselves Um, we don't step away as much so thank you I'm really happy to have been here with you tonight and um, I want to know we have a little time left and I'm, I'm certainly if you have any questions that's great and if you have any comments or any anything that's that like what's your experience of mindfulness or what's your practice of, of mindfulness um, I'd really like to hear and uh, it's totally okay to um, I think I see a mic over there I guess we use that and um, it's really this is like a totally safe place to talk and and so anybody
1: so um, in terms of uh, the relationship between practice and off the cushion mindfulness Hmm. I find it extraordinarily helpful during the day just to come back you know, and to be mindful actually just during the day while I'm doing things while I catch myself thinking something um, I'm just I guess saying that comment of the practice being very important uh-huh. it really is it really reinforces the uh the ability off the cushion to go wait wait wait, let's just come back let's just be here right now, not in the future, not in the past just just right here yeah um I was also going to mention last Friday I was here. uh, There was a monastic retreat. One of the nuns from San Francisco Mm -hmm. was here. It was really nice. She was also saying something very similar about, um, you know, the checklist, Mm -hmm. mindfulness, and being very dry. And she was saying that wisdom has a way of being that way that she knows of people who are brilliant, but also very cold. Mm -hmm. And she said, and you kind of alluded to it, but not quite the same words, she said that it was important to have both the wisdom and the compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talked about needing both of those, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, she used that word, and I thought that, that was a good word to, to kind of um, bring it to a focus, Right to want to have both, the wisdom with the compassion, that either one on their own, well, Maybe they're not complete. You want to have them both.
0: Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, I think. I think that there can be that 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 if you take an individual that uh, the the they may have a strength in one area towards wisdom or towards compassion or even begin more in one direction than the other. Um, I think. I think that really developed mature wisdom has to hold compassion and the other way around. Uh, And, um, and one of the, uh, something I didn't talk about, but, um, uh, one of the, with mindfulness paired with, uh, something called clear comprehension, which is the wisdom piece. Um, and I didn't bring that in, but, uh, that's when that's 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 like, uh, uh, for example, if 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 I if I'm driving and I'm just being aware of my hands on the steer wheel steering wheel and touching and seeing and green and red, and I'm driving and, and my foot on the pedal, but like I'm I'm not bringing any wisdom. I don't have any comprehension of like the traffic around me and what's going on and that there's you know that that the light. Turning red means I need to stop. Um, I have no real comprehension of what's going on. Actually, uh, yeah, and the coming back as well is the, it's the sweetest thing. It's such a gift. Thank you. Someone else? I just like to hear you guys speak. So, hi. <laughs>
1: One thing I've learned through this uh, practice of meditation is the sense of um, identity, um, not being defined by physical things, but simply the fact that I'm aware and conscious, sort of defines who I am, and that is is um, very illuminating to, to understand that, and also brings me a sense of community because i feel more similar to everybody around me because i'm stripped of any uh... superficial defining uh... aspects yeah it's
0: really it's it's really true when we're not so invested in this story of me um, as being me, then um, I'm allowing that to thin out. As you said, then... we can feel closer to the other, to each other. It's great. I know. It's really great. It's like, oh, I'm actually not alone. And still keep our center. Thank you. Well, we're so also fortunate to be able to um, to be here and uh, practice the Dharma. Um, anybody else? It's okay. I. Uh, there's this beautiful teaching of the Buddha, which, well, it's not necessarily directly related to mindfulness, but mindfulness is a part of it. But I love it so much. It'll be a, it's a little holiday offering. Um, it's called um, The Four Kinds of Fortunate Beings. Do you know this one? The Four Kinds of Fortunate Beings and... So there's four kinds of fortunate beings. And the least fortunate being is uh, someone who doesn't have access to the Dharma, which is the teachings of the Buddha, the Dharma. I mean, there's a lot of layers of what that could mean. But, so the the least fortunate being is one who does not have access to the Dharma and doesn't want the Dharma. The next up, the second least most fortunate being is somebody who has access to the Dharma but doesn't want the Dharma. The next one up, meaning the second most fortunate being, is someone who doesn't have access to the Dharma but wants the Dharma and the most fortunate being is someone who has access to the dharma and wants the dharma so i love that teaching because someone who doesn't have access to the dharma but wants it is more fortunate than someone who doesn't have access to the dharma who who does have access to the dharma but doesn't want it and here we all are, here tonight. And um, in some way, we must all be open to the Dharma, have access, to, and we, here we are. We want it, and we have access to it. And um, according to the Buddha, or his teaching, uh, that makes us the most fortunate of beings so So I'm really happy to have sat with you tonight and, and come together. Uh, and just to say that this practice of mindfulness, you know, here we go out into the world and, and driving and um, this is a gift, a gift to yourself and a gift to everyone around you to um, practice that wise mindfulness uh, out on the road, out in the world. It's, like, crucial, I, I have to say, that um, as I drove a ways, you know, there's, there's a lot going on out there. So take good care of yourselves, please. Um, be safe. And happy solstice. Uh, thank you. Good night.